Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Welcome to Talking Transfers from the 90 Min Podcast Network. I'm Scott Saunders, joined by Harry Simeu from the Chronicles of Aguna podcast, 90 Min's transfer correspondent, Graham Bailey, and 90 Min's head of UK content, Toby Cudworth, our top cat. Welcome to the show, guys. Toby, how are you doing today? Very good, mate. Very good. West Ham are about to sign a striker who hopefully will not break down injured. So I'm uh, I'm in a good place. And Should it's I call 100... you Mikhail Antonio's new bestie? Yes. Mm. Yeah, you can do that. Um, so if you want to do the introduction again, that's fine. Mikhail Antonio's um, new bestie, Toby Cudworth. <laughs> there we go. Uh, go, to, go to Twitter to check that out. He very much appreciated a thread that you put together on him yesterday ahead of a new signing West Ham will be making. Graham, how are you? I'm good, thanks. Yeah, I'm looking forward to uh, to kick off of um, the championship, which is just, just days away now, frighteningly so. Um, kicks off on Friday, and then my boys get going on Saturday against West Brom at home. Um, tough one, but yeah, um, looking forward to it. Always an interesting season, the championship season to follow. Uh, Harry, how are you? Fresh off the back of Arsenal 4, Chelsea 0 in pre-season. Yeah, well, that's it now, isn't it? The question is, how many points are Arsenal going to win the Premier League by next season? That's the real question. Uh, buzzing, no, jokes aside, yeah, really encouraged by what we've seen in pre-season, although it is pre-season. But the, the encouraging thing is seeing the new signings uh, embed into the team really, really well. So, yeah, feeling good. Yes, please subscribe to our show on all your major podcast platforms, Apple, Google, Spotify, and the likes. And follow us on Twitter too, at underscore Scott Saunders, at Harry Simeu at Graham Bailey and at Toby underscore Cudworth. This is a brand new weekly show where we'll dig into the latest on the futures of the biggest names in world football, be it players or managers. And on today's edition, we will actually kick off with one of the biggest names in world football, Cristiano Ronaldo. We'll talk Anthony. We'll talk some Arsenal news, Yuri Tielemans and Nicolas Pepe, the latest on them, incoming and outgoing. We'll talk West Ham. We'll talk Phil Foden, some potential... Uh, departures and arrivals or some potential departures from Brighton actually in relation to Man City and other clubs we'll talk Chelsea because we have to it seems as though they are getting burned in the transfer market every which way Jules Koundé <laughs> might be the latest one that they're going to miss out on so where will they turn their attention we'll also look at Leicester towards the end of the show as well uh, we're also on YouTube so uh, if you're watching us uh, drop a comment Tell us if you like the show, if there's anything you want us to talk about in future episodes. Uh, let us know what you think. But yes, let's get cracking. Uh, Cristiano Ronaldo, we're recording this just as we've seen images of Cristiano Ronaldo turning up to Carrington uh, to, for talks with Man United, we presume. George Mendes was in the car. Uh, we've also seen Sir Alex Ferguson driving to Carrington. Oh, God, honestly. Here we go. So uh, obviously we're recording this now. 
pretty it's pretty obvious they're going to have talks. We know Ronaldo's situation, don't we, Graham? But is this a how's this one going to go? Is this a Man United pandering session to Mendes and Ronaldo, or what's what's the outcome here? What's the latest? Yeah, obviously United have been steadfast in their approach, Scott, of not for sale. But we know in turn Mendes and Ronaldo have been just as aggressive in their in their stance of we want out. And the fact that Mendes has turned up with Ronaldo probably tells us a lot, you know. He's not there just to um, exchange pleasantries with Richard Arnold. Um, I'm not sure Richard will be that pleased to see George Mendes in tour, as I think he knows what it's about, you know. We know that a lot of clubs publicly have said, oh, we don't want him, etc. There's still interest out there in Ronaldo. And the window, unfortunately, for United still has a month to go. There's going to be some teams out there who, in a, in a month's time, Having had a shocking start to the season, think right, we pull the trigger on Ronaldo, we get him. Great for Chelsea, clubs... aren't you, Graham? <laughs> yeah, I, I, Todd Burley loves Ronaldo. He wants him. He's done the right thing. He spoke to Thomas Tuchel. He's not a priority for Tuchel. But in three weeks' time, if Chelsea don't have a good start, or if they have a good start but are missing lots of chances, not scoring goals, then who's the easiest option for them to go and get? Cristiano Ronaldo and I'm still convinced unfortunately for United that he by the start of September he won't be with them you now, say unfortunately <laughs> well you see and there is there is this talk Scott and we do believe there is something in it I've been told it is right that they would consider United would consider loaning Ronaldo out for a season if he signed a one year extension that has been muted possibly to allow him then doesn't he have go- an extension which the club can trigger in his deal though? yeah but it allows them to loan him to say an Atletico for one season um, take a transfer fee out and cover wages. So it does make him, if he does, if he agree to a loan, it makes him move obviously that much more likely because it's easier to do. So I believe it is one of the considering, but why yeah. Would you, I, why would you not do that? Can I? Can yeah. I, it, it, I don't, I don't know. It's a strange one. You know, I'm, I've always believed ideally you never keep a player who doesn't want to be at your club. And everyone says that. But obviously, when in this situation, when United are with this, but and you, you tell me, Scott, how, how important is Ronaldo to this current United team? Is he that essential to Ten Hag? This is the this is the thing that I think. I mean, if a player doesn't, I know that Frankie De Jong's case is uh, doesn't necessarily want to join United. He would prefer to stay at Barcelona, but you know, at least you can see where he fits into the system. You can see why Eric Ten Hag wants him. Whereas with Ronaldo, we're talking about a player that has since he was he joined United and during his time at Juventus was considered a problem in the team that he was playing for because he didn't function with the team. All he do, all he do was score goals and take chances off other players. I, I mean, United fans are really split on this. For me, I mean, I would like to see it resolved one way or another. I, I see Ronaldo leaving at the end of this season anyway. And if it were me, I mean, I would just get on with it. I would get, I would get on with it. I'd get a replacement in. Uh, this year, because I think it'll probably come in and upset the apple cart if he's going to want to play every single minute. The alternative is Eric Ten Hag comes out and says, well, you're going to be a squad player now and I'm the manager, so just get in line. But you can imagine how that's going to go down. Uh, So I think that probably the best thing to do is to part ways, uh, which is what Ronaldo wants. (laughs) But we'll see. Toby, what's your take on this? I think the idea of a loan is mental and it's not something that United should ever consider. 
don't think they should give him to Chelsea either. Like, regardless of whether or not he fits into United's system, why would United want to strengthen Chelsea? Their forward line is depleted. They've got Timo Werner, who wants out. They've got Armando Brozier, who wants out. They haven't got anybody else. Now, Todd Burley wants to bring him in as a statement signing, can give him all the money in the world, marquee arrival, really stamp his authority on things. But Thomas Tuchel doesn't really want him. He would be forced upon him. But he'd probably bring goals. And for United, why would... I just can't see how that would make sense. And if Bayern and Atletico don't come in for Ronaldo, then you suck it up for another year and you keep Ronaldo on board and you make it work at Old Trafford and you limit his impact. He doesn't have to start every single game. He might want to, but I would find it very bizarre if United allowed themselves to be bullied by Ronaldo and Mendes into going to Chelsea, particularly on loan. It's just crazy. Harry, you must be loving this. <laughs> um, it's It's... It's turning into a bit of a shambles, isn't it? And and there's quite a bit around Man United at the moment that you can look at and say is is questionable. You know, they've struggled to get over the line uh, with De Jong. All right, it's not their fault, but it, they, if they don't end up doing that, they're going to come off looking a little bit silly given how much time they've put into it. And now the Ronaldo problem is one that is a very real problem and something that they've got to deal with. I think for me... I would actually, if I were a United fan, be okay with Ronaldo going out on loan as long as it isn't to Chelsea, as long as it isn't to a Premier League rival. I think if that's what you have to do to kind of keep him quiet, but also kind of keep him away from this new thing that you're building, whereby, although he's a great player, we know that you know him being there kind of keeps you in this time warp where you're just going around in circles because no manager really is going to have Cristiano Ronaldo and not use him. So I think Letting him go out on loan, if it works for everybody, is a possibility and one that if I were United, I'd consider that it has to be away from the Premier League. You can't arm Chelsea with Cristiano Ronaldo on loan. If they come and pay a big amount of money for him and, and they take on all of his wages and all of that, then fine. But you cannot just wheel Cristiano Ronaldo down to London and say, yeah, you can have him for a season. It, it just doesn't make just sense. Don't I think, play I think the loan thing, <laughs> Scott, I think the loan thing is very much, I think it's something that Atletico raised and Mendes has thought about saying, yeah, that works. I think it more is a buy-in Atletico thing because Chelsea, do you know what I mean? They didn't pay whatever the United want. Anyway, 20 million full wages. So I don't necessarily think um, a loan would be the one for Chelsea. But as Toby said, you're still strengthening the rival. And I said, we've been talking off air, doing our Premier League table predictions. And Chelsea and United are quite close in a lot of them. And as it stands, they would perceive to be quite close in the Premier League. So as Toby said, you would be possibly strengthening a direct rival. You can uh, you keep an eye out for that, by the way, that pre-season predictions article coming in the next few days from everyone here as well. Sorry, Toby. So the one other thing to say is that United will be in the same position in 12 months time if they do this. If they did a loan and they extend his contract by a year, they've then still got to try and get rid of him again. If you do a loan he's and a, say goodbye, then fine. Exactly, yeah. You know? But he'd be a year older next year on the same money and you'd have the same problem. It just, that makes no sense to me whatsoever. But United have done some dealings that haven't made sense in, years, in the previous years. So um, maybe they'll do it. Well, it's different now, Toby. Of course, it's meant, so. to, it's meant to be different now. Uh, yeah, the 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 loan with an extension. I, I don't see why United win that. I mean, you'd be extending the contract for thirty eight, going in, going on thirty nine year old footballer who you need to get rid of anyway for the for the benefit of your team style. Uh, it doesn't really make any sense to me. But 
you know, we will see if that's an option that's been proposed by Atletico Madrid, uh, then maybe it's worth discussing it. Obviously, there's going to be some discussion on Tuesday. We'll see what the results of that is. I'm sure you can probably read about it on 90min.com. If you're listening to this uh, on Wednesday or something like that, maybe uh, you can visit us and have the results of that meeting Scott, on the website. But sorry, Harry. Would would you say that this is a bit of a like a a kind of crossroads moment for Man United? Because for years we've been talking about players who have just basically got away with whatever they wanted. Is this an opportunity for for Eric Ten Hag and Manchester United as a football club? to really stand their ground and kind of send a signal out to the rest of the world that it could be Cristiano Ronaldo, it could be Pele, it could be God yeah. himself. We're not gonna we're not gonna be bullied into doing something we don't want to do. So is there a part of you that kind of wants United to to really dig their heels in here? Even though I know you think you'd be better off without him, but is there a benefit in digging your heels do, in? Do you know my ideal sense? scenario would be what I mentioned earlier, if Ten Hag can manage to get Ronaldo in line and use him as a rotation option. Mm. I think Ronaldo would probably kick and scream about that and that might cause problems. Which Ten Rotation with managed. who, Scott? Rotation with who? Well, you think Callum Wilson is the best striker in the Premier League. I'd rather take Anthony Martial <laughs> than Callum Wilson, to be fair. So um, I, think that's a, I think that's a conversation you have to have to have. Such is limited in Martial in the Premier League. I think that's a conversation you would have to have. I think Martial has goals in a Premier League season than Callum Wilson If Anthony Martial is the future, surely how depressing is that? If Anthony Martial is your future up front, how depressing... Talk about players who don't want to be... Talk about players who don't want to be at the club. Anthony Martial has kicked off more in the last 12 months about United than Ronaldo ever has. How many times in the last month? (laughs) I worry about about United. If Martial... If they're going the season with Martial, then... I think the United, in terms of our United bet, not just Newcastle, but West Ham are going there with a better striker as well. All, you just, you just said how many goals has Skamaka scored before we started this recording <laughs> as well. I still Graham, think Skamaka's a better player than Martial. Horses for courses. Uh, sorry, Toby, what were you saying? I think Martial's got... I don't think he's ever going to be a top, top striker, but he's always shown that he's got a little bit of something and his confidence was through the floor for the last 12, 18 Although there may, there may be others coming in, Scott, as we will discuss. There may be someone else coming yes, in who, who will up, up the spirits of everyone and may mean that Marshall doesn't play. There's also Marcus Rashford. Uh, exactly. Marcus well, that's what Rashford, we're, who that, must that's what get we're, better. That's what we're coming to. So maybe, I, I see Rashford, maybe if we get, if we get the um, guy we're going to talk about soon, in, then Rashford may play centrally. Uh, spoiler alert, Graham has Newcastle to come sixth in the Premier League this season. Uh just uh, you can, so they, you can read the reasons based, why. <laughs> yeah, based, it's based on sept- uh, the team, what is going to be in September, not now. I think calling Newcastle in sixth is more crazy than sticking with Anthony Martial for a season through the middle. Well, I have to. Night. I've already said my, my top United team, so I've got to put them above you two, don't I? I have to. Guys, if I knew we were drinking before the podcast, yeah, I'd have <laughs> We'll see. Uh, uh, let us know in the comments. If you're watching on YouTube, let us know in the comments. It, will Newcastle come sick this season? Can Anthony Martial score more than three goals in the Premier League this season for Man United if he starts? Uh, but yeah, uh, Harry, my, my ideal scenario with Ronaldo is... You can kick and scream all you want, but but I'm the manager. Sit on the bench. Come on when I tell you to come on. And then if if Ten Hag can manage that successfully, that is probably the end of player power, you'd think, at United, because that is what has dominated. <laughs> Graham's loving life at the moment. But, uh, you know, 
that that's probably the way that you end it. Ronaldo has to go, whether it's this summer or next. He has to go at some point if United him to move on tactically, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. They need a fresh face up front. They need to sign someone we'll talk about in a minute. Uh, they've been linked with an, a host of players. I think this is a longer-term project, but you, a 38, 37, 38-year-old for a long-term project just does, that doesn't make sense, no matter if his name is Cristiano Ronaldo. But uh, let's talk about the next target, or one of the targets. Graham Anthony is uh, wanted by Man United. They have just paid a lot of money for Lisandro Martinez, as you pointed out. Uh and Ajax are holding out for 80 million euros, we understand. They're not going to renege from that. <laughs> no, no. I think you've set the bar with Lissandro Martinez. You know, what, what was just over 60 in the end, was it, Scott? I can't yes. remember. It, was, it seems that far long ago, doesn't it, now, when you're doing Lissandro Martinez. Yeah, 80, I think it's it's about fair. You know, I, I like Anthony. I think it depends how highly you rate Anthony, Scott. I like him. I think of all the Brazilians who've moved this summer, you know, the Hayes, the Rafinha's, you know, I just think Anthony excites me a lot. Um, Richarlison as well, throw in there. I love Anthony. I think United need to do this for the fan base, for the club, for Ten Hag. I think this is a necessity now. All, as much as De Jong, I really do. They need to get them two players in. And if Anthony comes in, then even if Ronaldo does go, you know, it, he's quickly forgotten. You can you have Sancho, Anthony out wide, let Rashford and Marshall do their thing down the middle. It's got a lot of promise. It really does. I think you need they need something in that final third. I love Anthony. I think he's a potential real superstar. And there's a reason, you know, I think it's always a good thing when Liverpool are looking at a player as well. <laughs> it sounds silly, but you know, if, if Liverpool like this lad a lot, then United should do it. And I, th- I think they will. The Aaron talks, the clubs are a bit apart at the moment. I think the United hierarchy are a bit suspect about giving Ajax too much, so much money. But hey, it is what it is. 80 million euros, just get it done. And I think Anthony, you know, the only thing is Chelsea are hovering around Anthony as well. We know they've talked to the player. Um, I don't think United are too worried about losing the player to Chelsea, but they are worried about them up in the fee a little bit. I think Chelsea's interest will probably mean they do get 80 million. But hey, when you're a club like United, no, 10 million euros isn't that much. No, just get it done. And I think United will get done. I think Anthony is a player they'll bring in. And this I think summer. that'll just give him the summer. Oh yeah, totally. I think I think he'd be. I think it's Ten Hag wants him now. You know, you can't risk it, Scott. Once if he goes back to Ajax and leads them to a Champions League semi-final, scores twenty, thirty goals, and suddenly he's on Barcelona, Real Madrid, and has that. a great World Cup. <laughs> exactly, Scott. You can't. You cannot look. Look at what Chelsea happened and Chumani. They didn't yeah. take the risk and they allowed him to go. And look what happened to him. He blew up into a world star and they lost him because of that. I don't think you know, it can take that risk with Anthony. Uh, Greg, one more thing before I come up to Toby. Do you think, obviously, we're talking a lot of money for Frankie de Jong. That is still not moved. A lot of money for Anthony as well. It, do you think that United will do two massive transfers like that after what they've done so far this summer? In I the do, same yeah. summer? Yeah, Martinez, you know, they haven't paid the um, release clauses for any of these players, though, Scott, as well. So they're not, they're not paying out hundreds of millions. So I think this will be worth in. I think the yeah, United can do it. The financial guys will have sorted it. Yeah, I think Anthony and De Jong are becoming necessities now. And I think I think they'll get them both. I do. I think it's gonna there's gonna be a lot of a lot of copy written by us, if no one else, um on these two players. More so De Jong, as we know this could go on for another month. It really could. Yeah. <laughs> um but on Anthony, yeah, I, I think they'll do both. I think it's really important to Ten Hag um both these players and 
I think he his they are, they are going by his decisions. We've seen that with Martinez; they went for him over Paul Torres. So obviously they are listening to him, which is I think is a good thing for United. It's a good thing for fans. And Ten Hag's in charge, and he's having a big say in these deals. So I think it's a good thing. Is it a good thing, Toby, to uh, always go with the manager's choices rather than the club's choices? Not always. And we've, we've spoken about the difference in level between Premier League and Eredivisie. But as Graham rightly said, if Liverpool wants Anthony, there's clearly something about this, lads, because their scouting network is one of the best in the world. Um, they don't tend to get many targets wrong. It's a lot of money for me, €80 million Euros for a player who's been playing in that division. But the market is kind of determining that United are probably going to have to stump it up. Um, I don't think they can afford to not sign him, given the lack of alternatives elsewhere. And a front three of Anthony, Sancho, Martial or Rashford, it's exciting. And I could see lots of goals coming from that front three. Um, And look, it's a shift in culture, isn't it? We're saying Ten Hag has got to be trusted in order to implement this reset. If that's who he wants let him do it and then the repercussions fall on him if in 12 18 months time the deal hasn't worked out and united are no further forward let's uh let's jump to arsenal harry uh talking of a club that have trusted in their manager and his choices etc etc it's coming together for Mikel Arteta isn't it uh word on that to start with yeah i think it is coming together for Mikel Arteta i think that we've started to see a style of play i think we saw that Last season, I think at times he's had to revert away, uh, revert back to maybe what he was doing in the past, not because he wanted to, but because he thought that was the best way to get us through certain situations. Prime example of that is going from that single defensive midfielder that we saw Arsenal use through their best spell of last season, changing that to two defensive midfielders when we lost Thomas Partey, for example, because he didn't feel that any of the alternative options could necessarily cope with that role on their own. So I think you've seen Mikel Arteta move back to to sort of old types in order to try and get us through small periods. But overall, his style of play is is very much taking shape at Arsenal and the recruitment has been key in that. He's been able to bring in people like Odegaard who very much lead the press um, along with the front line. He's gone and got a striker now who can press, who offers a threat in behind, who gives him all of the things he wants. So it is coming together. You're right. Um, still a few concerns about a, a, a few positions, I would say, where we're still a little bit short of depth and that's a big worry. Uh, but definitely moving in the right direction. It's going to take time, you know. Graham, uh, Yuri Tielemans has been linked with Arsenal for a number of weeks. Uh, where do we stand? Yeah, the interest is still there. Um, Arsenal have done the homework on this guy. I like him a lot. And I think this is one where Arsenal playing the waiting game because his price is coming down and down. Leicester, we've seen, need to get players off for FFP. They need players to go. They thought Tillemans would be gone by now. James Madison has been talked about. And that's stopping them from investing in other, in other areas. They're missing out on Charles de Catale because they can't bid for him. They haven't got the money for whatever reason. Um, it's been said to me it's FFP. They've got huge wages at Leicester. So I think Arsenal are playing a clever game, playing a sensible game. You know, if you sign Tielemans on the 26th of July or 26th of August, does it really matter to Arsenal that much? But if you're saving yourself five, ten million, then why not? You know, and I think it's a clever way of doing it. Arsenal are in a strong position when it comes to him. It's a player to like. And yeah, it wouldn't surprise me at all if Tielemans is an Arsenal player as the window shuts. It wouldn't at all. And I think that adds, I, I think it's a really exciting sign. Like that. that adds real 
real quality in there. You know, I've been a bit dismissive of the Zachers and the parties of this world, but suddenly if you go into Zinchenko and Tielemans, wow, you know, that's that's such a step up for me. So just in terms of quality, and it's all very well in this front three at Arsenal who are, who are fantastic. Do I trust Party and Zaka to really get these attacks going? No, but Zinchenko and Telemans, if you've got them, imagine them at the Emirates getting these attacks going. I think it's a hugely promising situation and really exciting. Obviously, Harry can testify whether he is excited by Telemans, but I think him added into that midfield adds a huge amount of quality. And I think it could be a real could be a real bargain. Before uh, before I bring you back in, Harry, Graham talking positively about Arsenal. I know, I know yeah. Uh, we'll have to I cut think... out, Harry. I had to see, I had to make sure I wasn't in a parallel universe or something. <laughs> yeah, so Tielemans, Harry, do you, th- do you expect this one to happen? I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Um, I'm kind of 50 50 on this at this point, just because I think that it's one we could have done already. Like, you know, I, I get the talk about, you know, the price going down as the window edges towards a close and all of that. But Ultimately, Arsenal have shown, I think, over the last two seasons that when they really want someone, they will go that extra mile and they will make it happen. Um, obviously, within reason. And the Tielemans price, even if we're talking 30 million, is still very, very reasonable. Um, you know, so I there's a part of me that thinks if this was going to happen, why haven't we done it yet? There's a part of me that agrees with Graham that Arsenal may be biding their time or maybe Arsenal know that this is doable because of conversations they've had with Tielemans. We keep hearing that, Tielemans wants the move that all of the personal stuff is agreed and maybe they're just focusing on other things at the minute I don't know um but my big worry for this Arsenal side is in that midfield so any further quality would be a welcome addition because I actually I think that Xhaka, Partey and Odegaard as a midfield trio are very good I think they've been very good for the past 12-18 months and I, and I think when We've missed any single one of them. You can see the big difference. My big worry and concern for Arsenal is that after that, the drop-off is 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 massive. You're talking Lokonga, not quite there yet. Elneny, definitely not there, never will be. Um, you're talking about Maitland-Niles, who's still at the club at the moment. I just think Arsenal need to move on a couple of players now to kind of reduce the size of the squad to then be able to facilitate further incomings. But there is a big drop-off in the quality between our first eleven and the rest of the squad and Tielemans would help bridge that gap, probably be a first 11 player. But the point I'm trying to make is that we'd have more quality overall. So I welcome it, but whether it will happen or not, I'm 50-50 at the moment. Uh, nice little segue there, actually. I'm not going to talk about the midfield here, Graham, but a potential Arsenal player out the door to another Premier League club. Nicolas Pepe offered to Newcastle. Yeah, one one of many actually Newcastle, as it turns out, clubs know that Newcastle are looking for strikers, right wingers. In the last few weeks, we've had Depay, we've had Nicholas Pepe, even Draxler and Werner in recent days, and obviously clubs clubs with players who want the wage book, and it's clubs players who need a second chance. And I know Harry said this for the show. I, I think Nicholas Pepe is one of the more interesting ones. You know, You've got a player who cost over seventy million pounds. Um, yeah, I thought it was a little bit rich at the time, but definitely a 50, 60 million pound player when Arsenal did it. It wasn't as if we were paying that for a, a 10, 20 million pound player. I think he's got a lot of potential. And I do know from what I've been told, Newcastle and people need a player, that Pepe is open to this. He's open to any team um, in the Premier League. He wants to show himself as not a failure. 
And I think when you've got someone hungry like that, I think he'll appeal to Eddie Howe. And I think we need to keep an eye on this one. This one's got a bit of legs to it, this one. I think of all the players who've been linked to Newcastle, like the Draxlers, the Verners, I think Pepe is the interesting one because he does provide that right-hand side option, which they really do want to go with the number nine. And, you know, if he hit the ground running, it, it could be a remarkably good deal. But, yeah, it's obviously a risk. We've seen what he hasn't done at Arsenal. But, yeah, I think it does make sense. And there is something in it. Newcastle going to be busy before the end of the window, you think? The, yeah, it, there's this FFP thing, you know, they've got a certain budget and I don't think many of us thought they would stick to it, but they are, um, as it stands, they are sticking to it. And they want a number nine to back up Wilson. It's not necessarily to improve Callum Wilson, but we all know, and Eddie Howe knows, you're not going to get more than 20 Premier League games out of Callum Wilson. We wish him well, we'd love him to do it, and you know, <laughs> the he needs himself, to do it for Graham's prediction. The, the well. player himself and thinks he can still go to the World Cup, and I think if he hits the ground running, he's a player Gareth Southgate likes. Um, we know Southgate doesn't really like Tammy Abraham from what we're seeing from the Nations League. Calvert Lewis might not start well, so I think there is a place in that England squad for a backup to Harry Kane. And I do like Wilson when I see him play. It's just so unfortunate with these injuries, and you know it's going to be impossible. Is, is he going to get more than twenty Premier League games? I don't think so. And the don't the they obviously know Chris Wood isn't good enough long-term. He was a short-term option. But they want that number nine. They want the right winger. And ideally, they would like another midfielder next to um, next to Bruno as well, um, which is where the Carney Chukwamika interest came from as well. Um, I still think they'll get. They'll definitely get two. Ideally, they want three. So they want the right winger, want the number nine. They'd love a centre midfielder, but that's the one what's debatable. Let's, uh, let's chat. Another United. Toby, this is your West Ham section. Time to shine. So it, seems, it seems to be like every show now. It's uh, Let's just let Toby talk about West Ham and everything that's going on. A signing is close. Yeah, so positive news to start with. John uh, Lucas Kamaka in London. Medical happening today. Hopefully everything will be finalised by tomorrow and that he'll come through that unscathed. And then he will be West Ham's new striker to compliment Mikel Antonio. Um, Armando Brogia, that deal has not moved because Chelsea have not wanted it to move. We've said previously that Brogia wanted to explore the deal. Thomas Tuchel publicly has said that he's not going anywhere. However, we actually feel like Chelsea's stance would be they would let him go, but maybe they're a bit reluctant to do business with West Ham. So I wouldn't rule Brogia out of moving later on in the window, but potentially to another interested party. Um, so Skamaka's the good news. The bad news is that Naya Figueres, uh was injured against Rangers in pre-season and we'd been waiting for the results of a scan that he'd been for. Um, it, he's undergone surgery. That was confirmed by the club yesterday. And it's looking like he will be out of action for a minimum of six weeks. Could be as long as three months. Um, it depends on his recovery. Um, and it puts West Ham in a bit of a difficult situation because... They wanted to strengthen that centre-back anyway, even though they have five options, because they're wanting to bring Philip Kostic in from Eintracht Frankfurt. He's a left wing-back or left winger, so West Ham could change system. But now West Ham are down to four fit centre-backs. But Angelo Ogbonna is one of those recovering from an ACL tear last year, and he's 34 I've heard he's come back to pre-season heavier than me, Toby. So. <laughs> OK, well, I use fit in the loosest possible terms. <laughs> he's able to play football, but he's definitely not in peak condition. Um, 
and Kurt Zuma as well is not a hundred percent. There are ongoing concerns that his knees may not be what they should be. Um, he's had two serious knee injuries previously. Issa Diop was meant to be going to Fulham. That move is kind of in limbo. West Ham are now looking at that and thinking, hmm, can we afford to let him go? And Craig Dawson played the final few months of last season receiving injections before every game. Now, our understanding is that he's fit and he's okay, but that doesn't bode very well for David Moyes that the majority of his defenders have got an issue of some kind. So a new centre-back is on the radar. Kostic talks are ongoing. He's taking a bit of convincing because he would get Champions League football at Frankfurt. But there is optimism that that deal can be done because he has the same agent as Skamaka, who has now agreed to come to the club and will hopefully be presented as a West Ham player within the next 24 hours. I thought that Kurt Zuma looked really poor at the weekend. Um, obviously, he's a pre-season friendly and you shouldn't really read into that too much, but just physically, you just didn't look up to it. And going back to Ogbonna, um, it was the Reading game that they played a couple of weeks ago and, and I was there and after the game ended... Ogbonna came back out on the pitch with one of the physios because he'd clearly felt some sort of problem and was really being put through his paces as they were trying to kind of identify what it is. So Toby's right to mention that serious concern around the fitness of some of those centre-halves. So it's got to be on the radar for David Moyes. And with the Aguerd injury, which is incredibly unfortunate, they've got to do it sooner rather than later, you think? West Ham sound primed, Toby, to finish as the highest United this season, as per... Oh, I think man. they've I think they've got a definite chance of breaking into the top six again. If they can sign Sostic Kostic, sorry, not Sostic, they can <laughs> sign him, if they can sign another centre back, and if they can sign a central midfielder, I think West Ham's squad is very well rounded and has actually got quite a lot of depth to it. Now the, the one thing that we criticised the squad for not having last season and we saw they burned out towards the end of the campaign. Um whether or not they can get into the top six is another story. I still think United are going to improve. Arsenal are going to improve. Tottenham are going to improve. The only team that I'm a bit wary of improving now are Chelsea. We've already spoken about the fact that they need to do some serious you surgery. You missed Newcastle out that list, Toby. Well, they're not going to break into the top six, so that's... <laughs> We don't need to discuss it. Graham, you might be the, <laughs> the only person in England who thinks Newcastle will come in the top six. I'm definitely not the, only, I'm, I'm not the only person in the North East, I can tell you that, for instance. But yeah, I just, I'm, I'm, I'm backing everything on, on. I must admit, I'm putting my, pinning my colours to the mast. I'm pinning everything on Bruno being, I think he'll be one of the best players in the Premier League next season. I think he'll get in the PFA team of the year. But yeah, there's an awful lot resting on his shoulders, it must be so. You, you mentioned a bet before we came on. Uh, Scott, between you and Graham, so you're going to make it official now. You're going to decide the stakes and what exactly you're going to put forward. I'm has to be the three. Has, you has, has to be the three. Not the three. Oh, United. you want to involve me as well? Okay. Yeah, there has to be the three United. Yeah, we'll see you, and we'll put send some money to charity, can't we? And maybe ten or ten or twenty pounds to charity. Whoever has the best ones, I think Scott should offer his odds. Really, being here is Manchester, he should give us two to one. <laughs> this is this is too much for me to do on the spot. We'll get I'll get back to you on that. But uh, <laughs> yes, I, I'm. He's happy waiting for to... that. He's waiting for the outcome of Ronaldo meeting, isn't he? He's, he's gauging to see what the action. Yeah, if he goes, I'll be more confident. We'll see. Um, anyway, let's let's move on. You mentioned PFA Team of the Year, PFA Darlings, Graham. Let's talk about your favourite player in the world, uh, Phil Foden, who is uh, on the verge or set to sign a new deal with Manchester City. What can you tell us? 
yeah, this has been coming for quite a while now. They've been talking since the Euros, roughly. It's one of those where they're rewarding a homegrown player. And we know the homegrown players often aren't the highest paid. And we know Foden at the moment isn't one of the highest paid players in this in this city squad. We've seen new deals for Rodri and Mares this summer. We've seen new arrivals of Alvarez and Haaland. So he's way down the pecking order at the moment, but he doesn't have to worry. He'll be soon earning well in excess of £200,000 a week, we are being told. He'll be one of the, one of the highest paid players in the squad. The top, actually, top, top. Top third, I'm told. He'll be around there. Not dissimilar to the Rodri deal that he just signed. And there'll be lots of incentives built in. you know. And, and he won't be losing any money because I'm told it will be a little bit backdated to a certain time. I don't know how long, but maybe to January it'll be backdated. So there wasn't a real hurry. And yeah, it's one of those, we know, we know this has been coming, Scott. He richly deserved, wonderful talent. And uh, yeah, if he, let's hope he keeps on going for England's sake. In, into December, he can show himself as the best young player in world football, which we already know he is. <laughs> I'll move on. Uh, let's let's talk about uh, City's pursuit of Mark Cucciarella, Graham. What's the latest there? Because uh, this one has been... Seems like Brighton won a certain amount of money. Man City don't want to pay a certain amount of money. Is that still the case? It is, yeah. They've come, they're coming at 30. City, um, Brighton... Initially wanted 50 and they're sticking by that a minimum. And we discussed it, didn't we? Brighton got 50 million for Ben White. So it's a fair deal. But from what we're hearing, the player does fancy this move. Not surprising. You know, there's a reason that a player comes from Spain to sign for Brighton. Not that he doesn't love the South Coast. Of course he does. But he's done it to prove him. He's come and proved himself. And now he's going to get himself that big move. Um, I think this one, from what I'm hearing, City... <laughs> It won't be happening this week, but I think they do think this will happen. I think the player might be agitating for this move. We'll have to keep an eye on this one. But, yeah, unless City get to 50, it definitely won't be happening. And I think Brighton are well within the rights for that, actually. Toby, uh seems like City have... Well, they've sold a lot of players this, this summer so far. Not sure whether they're in a positive balance in terms of outgoings versus spend. Um, but they've had a good summer, haven't they? They've let go of the players they were happy to let go of. Nobody's engineered a move away and Pep's not been happy about it um, and they've strengthened as well they've reinforced the only person that they need to replace is Zinchenko and Cucciarella will be that player and I'm of the minds that that deal will happen um, perhaps maybe not within the next week or so but at least before the end of the window it's just a case of Brighton also needing to find a replacement um, which will take a little Brandon bit more. Williams muted muted actually is he back at? He's just back at United. Back at United now. Yeah. I'm not sure of uh, not sure of that interest level. We'll we'll, we'll maybe look up on that. Uh, Harry, do you uh, do you think City are favourites to win this league again? Yeah, they got to be. There's there's no reason to think that they're not anymore. You know they've they've gone out and brought a top top striker in in Haaland. Obviously, they've allowed Sterling to go, but I think there was. I think that was on the cards for a while because of the fact that they went out and got Grealish, for example. I think this transition that we're talking about, it's not a major transition, but this slight transition that we're seeing in City is something that's been planned for a while. And that would give me encouragement as a City fan that actually the level probably isn't going to drop off an awful lot uh, just on that basis. You know, they brought in Calvin Phillips. They knew Fernandinho wouldn't be there for a while. So they had time to identify who the right player was for that. They got Grealish in and gave him time to settle in. Okay, he wasn't great, but you know he's he's had that opportunity now to find his feet, and now he can step up and take over from Sterling. And to go and get Haaland, I mean, 
probably the most exciting forward player in world football um, to be able to get that deal done. I know the, the fee wasn't huge and they took advantage of a clause, but it's because they've breeded such great success over the years that it became a no-brainer for Haaland to go there. So I think that, yes, there's been some change there, but I think it's been well-planned change and change that shouldn't see too much of a drop-off. Yeah, we'll move to Chelsea in a short while, but just to round off on Brighton, Graham, Neil Morpe, could he be on the move? Yeah, it appears that Salonatana in Italy are putting together a deal. And, and you know, this isn't just a random thing. We have to believe that something's been going on behind the scenes. And I was talking to one of our colleagues at 90 Min, who's a Brighton fan, and, and Undav, um, the German striker who's come in from Union, sister club of Brighton, he appears to be first choice now, or very close to it with Danny Welbeck. And so now Morpé is looking at being third choice. So, yeah, he's been given that chance to move on. Um, it's interesting. I didn't think that Undav would, necessarily get a chance but it's clear he's been doing well in pre-season he was top scorer in Belgium last season so yeah and I think they needed to do this Morpé he, he was okay but he hasn't he hasn't kicked on as he since those Brentford days and he misses an awful lot of chances doesn't he we've seen that last two years I think there's a lot of match of the day clips of him firing wide when when through it and Brighton is such a good team in, in parts I saw them at Leeds I saw Danny Welbeck have one of the best games I've ever seen him have last last season. And they play some lovely stuff, but they need to be clinical. And Marpe just wasn't good enough. So, yeah, it's no surprise to me to see him being moved on. Harry, uh, Neil Morpe has history. <laughs> He'd probably be best remembered if he does leave the Premier League. Probably be best remembered for his uh, Arsenal <laughs> encounters, let me say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, he's not going to be remembered for being a potent finisher, is he? That's for sure, um, as, as, as Graham alluded to. But look, I think Neil Mopai is one of those players that is so good in the build-up, but just doesn't have that finishing touch. I'm not sure that if I were Neil Mopai, I'd want to go to Salernitana, though. Um, you know, is it a part? Is it is he at the point in his career where he's thinking about lifestyle more than anything else? Because other than that, you know, they're going to struggle in Serie A. It's going to be a really difficult place. Okay, the tempo of the game isn't as high, but I don't think he's going to get more chances than he gets at the moment. So um, I think the same issues will be will be on show for Neil Mopai if he, if he does make that move. Only 25, actually. 25 I, I years just, old. I just thought I'd have a quick look on your stats, G, about him not being a good finisher. So he's only scored eight goals last season and the same season before. To be fair, that's more than I thought. Yeah, me as well. But he's taken 126 <laughs> shots, only 36 on target. So yeah, that's that's not great, is it? No, and he does get a lot. Of, uh, when you see the highlights of Brighton, obviously not. I imagine a lot of us don't see Brighton too often. That he does get, as as Harry says, he does get quite a lot of chances. It's reflected in the numbers there as well. That's <laughs> not a good uh, on target rate, though, uh, is it, Toby? Speaking of not on target, uh, Chelsea have tried to sign a lot of players this summer and missed out on a lot of players this summer, meaning they're not really getting their targets, are they? Jules Koundé, Graham. Uh, obviously, we, we've reported on this one so much about Chelsea's interest in him. Uh, is it the case that Barcelona are winning this one too after beating them to Rafinha? There's no need to look too happy, Scott, when talking about Chelsea's misery, but um, this might come back to bite you. Um, yeah, the Jules Koundé one, I'll forever remember it for him interviewing my, my wife's 40th birthday weekend as I'm getting calls about Jules Koundé. <laughs> Chelsea haven't given up on this one just yet, surprisingly. 
they haven't heard from the player directly that he wants to go to Barcelona. Koundé himself was given permission to talk to Chelsea, agree personal terms, which we believe is done. They've agreed to deal with Seville already. There's no reason for this deal already not to, to have been finalised. He's wanting more time. Barcelona are now, as we've seen for virtually every transfer window, trying to hijack this deal, but they haven't agreed terms with Seville. Monchi's playing hardball. They're not offering what Chelsea did. And yeah, it's a strange one. But I think Barcelona, the way they've approached it, Scott, is if they want to get Koundé agreed, finalised, and then they've got Seville over a barrel. That yeah, you have to agree terms of those because the player's not going otherwise. And obviously, we know Sevilla doing the homework and other players trying to do their plans. And yeah, it's a real mess again. Anything Barcelona related becomes a mess, doesn't it, at the moment? But yeah, as it stands, Chelsea haven't given up. But and and I don't think it's certain. But I'd you say make as it, it stands as we record this. <laughs> yeah, I'd, I'd make it sixty forty Barca at the minute for sixty forty. Yeah, it's close, but Chelsea haven't given up on this, Scott. They haven't, and and oh, Seville. I think I think this is about ninety-five five. And Seville and Seville, Seville, Seville uh, playing hardball with Barcelona as well. Seville haven't given this up. Seville aren't just they're not doing it. I'm I'm not saying Leeds laid down over Rafinha, but they didn't play hardball. Seville playing hardball with Barcelona here, and they're not just going to allow him to this to go through without their approval. So yeah, I'd still I believe the Chelsea press and the contacts and the people at the club. Talking to senior senior sources there, they still haven't given up on this, so I, I have to take them at the word. We know the lay of the land, though, don't we? If Barcelona want a player, Barcelona get a player. And that's been the story of the summer so far. They're controlling the, the mm. De Jong situation as well. It's very, very annoying. But, yeah, I think Koundé has now slipped through Chelsea's hands. And unless Barca are the ones to engineer pulling away, which won't look good for them, I could only see him going there now. Let's uh, let, let's look at potential other Chelsea targets, Graham. You have five names. Do you recall them off the top of your head, or do you want me to run through them? <laughs> uh, yeah, Villarreal's Paul Torres, Inter Milan's Milan Skriniar, RB Leipzig's Josko Garvidal, and by me duo Dio Upamecano and Benjamin Pavard. I say it as I read off my screen. <laughs> um, <laughs> I did. I was. I was. I, I, I'm happy to read. That I wanted I to or, test your was, memory there. I was yeah, organised. I was organised. You see, and I think it's interesting. None of those options there. And I was talking to again one of our Chelsea colleagues in the office, and the annoying thing I think for Chelsea is that they've got Koulibaly through the door, and I think Koundé, if they were playing the back four, which is still a possibility, Koundé and Koulibaly would be a fantastically balanced pairing you know quick ones mobile quick then ones we the ones we just listed there all wonderful players but not quite in the same um bracket as you know not quite the same as Koundé don't get me wrong any of those would fit in really well um Skriniar I don't think he'll be available we've seen his move to PSG collapse it looks like he's staying now up at Meccano and Pavard I think Pavard would be an interesting option if we're playing the back five because he could cover that right back option as well well, Reese for Reese James. I think Pavard's an interesting one. Gavardiol, I saw him for Leipzig. He doesn't do it for me. I must admit, I think he's he's okay. I don't, I, I don't, I don't love him. But I do like Paul Torres, as you know, Scott. I think Paul Torres would be the one for me for them. Always the bridesmaid, never the bride. We it is, isn't he? He's always second choice on these. I love him. Mate. He's a Rolls Royce of a defender. I think him and Koulibaly would be sensational. I, I love Paul Torres, and I think he's like a Van Dyke Matip type pairing. I think Chelsea could land on the feet with him. Um, he is one they're looking at. They're looking at all over uh, all over Europe as they wanted to. They wanted three, remember? So Koundé was going to be number two, and they still wanted another one. 
So, you know, and this might allow Levi Colwell to come into the picture again. We know he wants out. He's been wanting out as he wasn't particularly happy about being fifth or sixth choice. He may end up being third or fourth, so he might get his chance. But no, Chelsea is still looking, and I would, I still wouldn't rule him about bringing another two in. Is one of them Koundé? We'll find out very soon. <laughs> uh, Toby, are, are Chelsea convincing you with their transfer strategy? As of right now, no. Hence <laughs> why I've got them sixth in my predictions. But by the end, the of Newcastle the- above them, Toby. <laughs> no, they're not. No, and Newcastle are below West Ham. So are West Ham above yeah. Chelsea, though. No. No, still the uh, still the traditional top six. That's very boring, and I'd love somebody else, aka us, to break into it. But I still think Chelsea, regardless of whether or not they went into the season with the squad they've got, would probably still finish above West Ham. But they've got to do some business between now and the end of August. Otherwise, I don't think they're going to be in the mix for Champions League. And that's not to say that they've got a, a poor squad. But actually, when you comb through Chelsea's current squad as it is, it's a little bit weak in some areas, particularly in the forward positions that we've spoken about. And if players are unhappy, which we understand a lot of them are, and they're agitating for a move or considering their future, they're not going to produce their best on the field. And I'm looking at Chelsea's squad right now. I'm struggling to see where they're scoring goals. Let Mitchie alone... Batshuayi. I forgot he was still there. <laughs> Let alone not conceding them. So they've really got to get. And that's that's where this Ronaldo thing comes in, doesn't it, Toby? If in if in three weeks' time they haven't got one, it's just almost an easy deal for them to do. What I would say to caveat that is that Thomas Tuchel is a very good coach, and if there are many managers in world football who can get the most out of a, a squad of players who are perhaps not at the level that they need to be, it's possibly him. Um, I think he's underrated. For what he can do and tactically, Chelsea are normally quite hard to beat, aren't they? Harry, uh, are you confident Arsenal come above Chelsea as it stands? I'm not confident. I don't think you can be confident at this stage. I still think that they've got plenty more business to do that they will do. And I think that, as you say, they've got a really good manager in Thomas Tuchel. And, you know, as much as I'm enjoying what I'm seeing from Arsenal and Arteta, it would be foolish of me to say that, you know, Arteta's on Tuchel's level. He's not. Not at this point. No, No chance. So there is... There is a hope that we can finish above them. And there's a hope that the fact that we've got some stability and, and seemingly the buy-in of, of the fans, but also of you know the squad and the group, and, and there's a feel-good factor, you hope that that can help bridge the gap in terms of quality because they've still got a top-quality squad. How did that 4-0 pan out, Harry? I presume you watched it from start to finish. Was it a convincing 4-0? Uh, it was totally convincing. It was so convincing that, you know, that's basically why Arsenal fans are getting gassed now. But let's, it was a pre-season friendly. And what you formation did Chelsea play, Harry? Back four. They, they, they back. started with a back four, but in the second half, he went to a back three because they were just getting completely overrun. Um, they were just they were just getting dominated in every area of the park. So, yeah, it, it was very convincing. <laughs> but again, Great who, who was the pairing? Who was the pairing that started? Uh, what a centre back? Yeah, uh, Shalaba was definitely one of them. Can't Silver? think who the other one. The Maybe Silver. Yeah, it I might have been Silver alongside him. Okay. Um, but Shalaba was all over the place. He gave the ball away a few times in dangerous areas, and um, you know, yeah. I mean, I wouldn't read into that too much. But it's also worth noting that Arsenal probably started the best team available to them. Chelsea had a bit of a mix and match in the two halves, so obviously that that impacted things as well. It's important to note that I think. 
that, uh, would, that, would that would indicate for me, sorry, that Tuchel realised or is realising quite quickly that his current squad is not equipped to play a back four, which is what no, he would ideally want. And that makes sense wanting three central defenders. When we hear three central defenders, we think, oh, that's a bit of a makeover. But when you hear that, it does make sense, doesn't it? Yeah. yeah. He did also say his team wasn't ready. He was not happy uh, after that match uh, in his post-match analysis. And the pressure might be on. We, uh, it's going to be interesting. It's Todd Burley. We know Chelsea's regime previously. He wouldn't, if he was, if they were out top four at Christmas, he could potentially get sacked. It'd be interesting to see Todd Burley's reaction in the first few weeks of the season. Will the Will the axe be hanging over his head or not? We don't know how this new Chelsea regime works in that manner. Yeah, uh, let's finish up the show with uh, a usual tip to actually break into the top six uh, in a lot of seasons. I know Harry, <laughs> not Brendan Rodgers' biggest fan, let's say that. But uh, what's happening at Leicester, Graham? Because all we're seeing at the moment is Yuri Tielemans linked to Arsenal, linked to other clubs, James Madison linked with Tottenham. No real talk of any incomings at all. And they do need more. So what, what's going on with Leicester? Can you summarise it? Yeah, well, they, they need more, they're short of money. And it's FFP related. They've got a big squad, Leicester. If you actually look at it and look at the wages in this squad, it is surprisingly big. And they were banking on selling at least Taylormans, maybe even Madison. And, you know, they've got... They've got some wonderful players here. We've seen Harvey Barnes, another player who's linked to Newcastle, which I think we can actually poo-poo that. He's, he's, not, he's not leaving. And they've got Jewsby Hall as well. So I think that's why we're seeing Tillemans and Madison as the main two, because they've actually got some very good players to come in there. But they've got a very big squad as well. And it, I, I was thinking, looking back to last summer, I had Leicester down as one of my teams who'd done wonderful business. They brought in Babakuri Samari. They brought in Patson Dacca. We were, we were all praising them. We thought they were two wonderful signings. And to be fair, they might turn out to be decent this summer, but Sumar has obviously been linked to a loan move already. Um, Daka, will he get a chance? Mm, I don't think that's as important because Vardy's got at least another season in him. But yeah, they need to get rid of players and they haven't so far, which is why we're seeing, you know, Arsenal, they might they might get Tielemans for 20 million. That's how desperate things we're hearing are getting. Not that Leicester can't, don't have the money. Of course they do. They've got a very rich owner. But I think this FFP thing is, is a major thing for them to look at. And it's a reason why they're not in the Charles de Catale race at the moment. Leicester have had to pull back from that, where Leeds are the ones competing with AC Milan. And yeah, it's a strange one. We need, we've seen the chairman today, Ayuat, come out and, and talk about the transfers. He's apologised for it going slow. He says there's no offer for Tiedemans at the moment, but we know the talks are ongoing. And it's a very strange situation, as you say, Scott. I, I, this squad is better. It's so much better on paper than what it did last season. And who knows? We might see a second season syndrome from some of these players. If Samara and Daka can hit the ground running, Leicester might surprise us. But it's a it, without any investment, which we know Rodgers has been hung out to dry a little bit, didn't he? Because he did stay towards the end of last season. This squad needs a bit of work to it in surgery, but I think he's back trying to backtrack a little bit. But yeah, it's um, it's a strange one to know where the squad are going. I, th- I think it does need a bit of an overhaul. The Ayosi Perez of this world in the actual. I think if they want to break top six, they do need a couple of names and a couple of good names to come in. I'll just caveat that squad depth point by saying, A, I managed Leicester on Football Manager and did exactly <laughs> the same thing by getting rid of at least six or seven players because I thought, Christ, I've got too many here. And B, their defensive options are Justin Fafana... <laughs> yeah, Justin Fafana, Soyuncu, Bertrand, Evans, Amate, Pereira, Vestergaard, Castagna, Thomas. 
10 defenders who all of wow. them, you would argue, would say they're high enough profile players to be playing regular football. There's no real kids in that. I think Luke Thomas is probably the youngest one there. And that's just defence. And it's the same for midfield. I could list 10 or 11 players there. They're probably one of the only Premier League teams that have got a full 25-player squad where it's 25 players who would call themselves established. And they've got to get rid of that. Otherwise, they and, can't. And they're, all, and they're all now all on Premier League wage as well, which is a lot of money. Fafana, we know, is obviously maybe one of the best young defenders in Europe. And um, he signed a huge new contract. And I, I did see there was whispers that they might have to maybe sell him to raise funds, but I don't think it'll come to that. I do think Tielemans... And I think there's a good chance Madison leaves as well. From rumours we're hearing, he fancies a move to London um, and Tottenham are is on Tottenham's radar. But the problem is Leicester have got is all these clubs are aware that, that Leicester need the money. They're aware that Leicester need to sell, which is where Harry's Arsenal come into it. They're sat sitting pretty. They don't have to do the deal now. Harry, you're not even going to have to bat those questions about Brendan Rodgers finishing higher than Mikel Arteta this season by the looks of it. Thank God. <laughs> I mean, thanks. Uh, if you're watching on YouTube, I'm sure you're familiar with that. But um, thanks, guys, for the show today. We've uh, we've gone on long enough. I'm gonna, I'll wrap up there. We'll be back soon with more talking transfers. But uh, you can follow along on nightmin.com from Graham, Toby, myself, and Harry. We all write and contribute to the site. Uh, follow us on Twitter too at underscore Scott Saunders at Harry Simeu at Graham Bailey and at Toby underscore Cudworth. That's it for today. Thank you very much for listening. And we'll see you soon. Get ahead of postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM.